When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh man, Jacob, we made it, dude. We made it. We're here. We're, back. We're a little bit late. We're a little bit late, but we made it. Just a minute. Yeah, just a minute. We'll take it. You guys can wait, right? It's all good. Y'all can wait. Y'all can chill. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the big two. Jacob and myself in the house, ready to take it to you guys. Full steam ahead for this epic week, right, Jacob? I mean, this <laughs> week is so sick for the lineups. Oh my God, we're so excited to talk about it. Man, it is such, such a horrific week to play DFS, in a sense, actually. I think it's a horrific week to watch football, for instance. Are all of us still going to do it? Of course. We watched the game last night, and that was literally the worst football game I've ever seen in my entire life. So if you watch that, you're going to watch this Sunday. But in terms of DFS, I think it's the most fun. Like, I love weeks that give me a lot of flexibility and a lot of options. And I feel like this week has that because so many of the games are so bad, quite frankly, that it doesn't feel like there's this really obvious inflection point that you have to start everything with in a given slate. Like it feels like we have some optionality at our disposal. So that's a big thing for me for sure. Um, And honestly, I think that probably starts with the main thing I want to talk about, which is how do we handle a slate? when all the games suck. Um, I think that that's, that's a big thing. Um, but do you have any thoughts? I'll, I have a rant, but uh, I don't want to just bogart all the fun here. I, I'm going to let you get on your rant, right? Because last week I had my rant about the quarterbacks and how, oh, you should only be playing Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Hurts. Then we watch freaking quarterback one and two, Goff and Geno Smith just smash faces, right? Like that's what we're talking about. That's like the energy that we're going to bring. So I will let you get on your rant, just like I got on mine. But uh, I, I feel like these are the kind of weeks where you actually can make a lot of money because the time and the research that people want to put into these weeks almost don't exist because they, they just look at it and they're like, oh, you know, kind of like what we did. We're like, oh, gross. But really, like, this is the time that you can actually find those hidden gems that nobody else is going to be playing, essentially. And it gives you, like, leverage on the field that that nobody else will end up playing. But guess what? It's fantasy football. People are going to put up points. Like there will be points to be found across this slate at some point. I, I know it's kind of tricky, but like there will be points that you can find <laughs> in this slate. So I, I'm excited to dive into it. But I mean, Jacob, like what is your feel about it? How do you handle these just uh, failures of a slate? Like why would the NFL do this to us first off? Second off, how do you handle it? Yeah, man, I, I think – I think in general, there's almost like three different types of slates. It's like there's the ones where there's a lot of really good games and you're trying to figure out which pick, which pieces to choose, which games to fade. There's like that kind of obvious inflection point type week where it's like there's one game that everybody wants to play and you kind of have to decide how you're going to attack it or what else you're going to do. And then there's weeks like this where there is no super, super obvious game. There is no game with the really high total, with the really efficient ownership, etc. And I think... You know, a lot of people's reaction when you see this kind of slate is like, I'm not going to play the big stacks because the stacks don't look as sexy, right? It's a lot easier to stack. For instance, let's say the Bengals and the Ravens were on this slate, right? That might be a lot more appealing for people to go and run up these big game stacks versus, you know, not as much going to be the case in, in this in this slate. But to me, that's where I look and see it as an opportunity because one of my biggest fears when I'm playing these heavy game stacks, like, a, you know, a three and a two from the other side is... What's the opportunity cost of that? The opportunity cost is you kind of have to be perfect to win in a lot of fields outside of smaller fields or, or darn close to it. And so what are the pieces I'm leaving out when I'm committing all this resources to this game? And here, you know, I think if one of these games can unexpectedly hit, and we see this all the time where games, you know, that aren't 
particularly compelling coming in, maybe you have an over under 44, 45, all of a sudden things get a little bit out of control. They go haywire. Hell, we just saw the Seahawks and the Lions put up like 80 points or 90 <laughs> points. And neither of those offenses, I don't think people thought were, you know, the Chiefs and the Bills. So I want to try and see how can I sort of bogart all the points in one lineup? Because if all these games mostly played expectation, but there's just one or two outliers, then, you know, you can cut through a lot of the crowd playing, playing one of these big stacks. And so I'm trying to target which games do I think have enough uncertainty around them such that they, they might be, uh, you know, a little bit underrated. Yeah. It's kind of strange. Like how it's kind of strange. how like, I don't want to touch any one of these teams. I don't want to touch any one of these games, but yet there are like certain players inside where it's like, damn, like, if he can just get, you know, two catches for, for 50 yards and a touchdown, like that could actually be a wide receiver too. And something like that could end up paying off. I mean, we joke about it, but a guy like uh, Darius Slayton or a guy like David Sills, like it's gross, but they could end up being a league winner just because you're not going to see a whole lot of points put up from across these teams across the board. I mean, we're talking about what no games outside of the Monday night hitting above 50 points right now. Like that's gross. I don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, I think there was at least one week last year that was like this, but I, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Oh, God, it's so gross. All right, so I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to start out with uh, with my first game that I want to attack. And uh, I, I'm going to go with the, the – did you have – did you take the, the Browns and the Chargers? Because if not, I'm going to go ahead and take that game. I did not. You can go ahead and take it. Let's do it. I can't remember which one, but uh, it's kind of crazy. And this one actually got me kind of set off because of the over-under for Jacoby Brissett, right? We were looking at at 209 yards is the over-under for Jacoby Brissett, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because when we look what the Browns have put up, right? They put up 403 yards. They put up 376 yards. Uh, That was up against the Falcons and the Steelers, up against the Jets. They put up 405 yards. Up against the Panthers, they put up 355 they rank those teams, they rank 15th, 14th, 18th, and 17th in pace of play. So we're talking about teams that, you know, middle of the pack in terms of uh, their efficiency, how quickly they're moving the ball in between snaps. Uh, meanwhile, it's just kind of amazing that we're sitting here and we're looking at the Chargers game. And it's like the Chargers are sixth in pace of play, and they've allowed teams to put up 320 yards, 319 yards, 413 yards, and 346 yards. So we're, we're looking at equal sides of the coin where we're it's probably going to be 350 yards put up by the Browns this week, considering it's their fastest opponent in terms of pace of play. And now we actually have a, a defense that's beaten up, right? Like Joey Bosa is out. Like they haven't been uh what's the right word for this like they haven't been a whole defense essentially the entire year and this week works looks even worse so uh with that being said nick chubb is probably going to go out there he's going to put up 100 yards rushing right maybe a touchdown probably that seems to be what he does yeah yeah i mean it's it's already given you might as well just write that down in the book one touchdown 100 (laughs) yards bets your floor uh meanwhile you have hunt who is going to see targets in the receiving game right and the chargers struggle up against pass catching running backs to an extent so you know, Hunt's going to end up getting probably another 40 yards on the ground, maybe 50 yards on the ground, another 50 yards receiving. That leaves Jacoby Brissett another, what, three or 200 yards passing, essentially, that he should have in this matchup, which, by the way, should remain competitive and should be, you know, somewhat of a higher, higher scoring game. I think it's probably going to be the highest scoring game on the Sunday slate outside of maybe the Buccaneers game and possibly the Arizona uh, Eagles game or the Cardinals Eagles game. But I mean, it's going to be up there. We're probably going to see it hit the over. We're going to see a ton of offense. So I actually want pieces in this matchup. But, man, Nick Chubb just feels like he's going to be chalk at AK. Like, doesn't he feel like chalk? Not at all to me. People never play Nick Chubb. Really? Because he's he's never – he doesn't profile well in, in projections. Like, for – because he's always going to be based I, – I, I don't think he's going to be uh, – let me just pull up my ownership stuff here. Yeah, I, I think he'll be, like, 3% owned. Well, he's scoring four more points the next. Yeah, he's scoring four more points per game than the next closest uh, running back, which is Chris McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, four more points per game. He's getting the touchdowns, and this is an advantageous matchup. If he's not chalk, I'm playing him. Like I need to go through and I need to look at my projections. I, I think that Chubb, like he's a guy that if this was five years ago, I think people would play him because I think people used to be a lot more attached to what happened the previous week. And I remember this was kind of the same situation. I was talking with a couple people last year. Where 
Uh, it was about Najee Harris. Remember last year he played Buffalo in week one and he like got a hundred percent of the snaps, yeah. but he scored like seven fantasy points. I forget the specifics, but basically played every snap um, and he scored not anything. And then the next week, like some people were tweeting like, Oh, we get this great buy low on Najee Harris next week. Nobody's going to play. Like everybody played. It was like 30% owned. Cause I just think so many more people that are playing DFS are using projection sources now that like Nick Chubb, as great as he's been, his role hasn't been materially different than it's been in previous years. Like he's still losing a ton of routes to Kareem Hunt. Um, He's been the high ceiling guy that we've always known him to be in a given week where he's able to churn out explosive runs where the Browns are able to play from ahead and give him a ton of rushing volume. But because he's still game script dependent in that sense, because he's still losing a lot of rushing work to Kareem Hunt, because they're an underdog in this game against the Chargers, you know, this is like the classic spot where I've often played Chubb in the past. Actually, literally this exact spot against the Chargers last year was when uh, when I was writing the DFS call for player profile. I made Chubb like my number one flag plant. He hit, but other parts of the game didn't for me. But, um, you know, I, so I think you do get to have him at, at low ownership because just of the way that the projections are going to sort out the game script. So I kind of like Chubb this week as, uh, as a play, and I don't think you're going to have to worry that much about the ownership. I think he'll come in higher than projected ownership because the phone shitters, so to speak, will be like, ah, oh, Chubb. Like, look at his points per game. He's been killing it. But I don't think that a lot of the players that are really based off projections are going to be hammering him. So, so what do you think the percentage of people will actually play Chubb and Jacoby Brissett? Because that's where I'm like, ooh, this could be fun. This could be interesting. And last week we thought it was going to hit for us. It didn't hit, unfortunately. I was – dude, I was stoked. I was like, yes, we nailed this one. Talking about Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins because right off the bat, you know, he gets his reception and he, he ends up taking mm-hmm. to the house. Didn't end up panning out, unfortunately. But, I mean, Brissett is going to throw for over 250 yards. If he ends up getting two touchdowns, let's say the Browns score 28 points to 35 points, Chubb can have two of those, and Brissett can end up having two passing touchdowns, maybe one rushing along with it. I I know that it sounds gross because it is Nick Chubb, but, I mean, the Chargers struggle up against pass catch running backs as well, and it might not be Kareem Hunt that gets the receiving touchdown. Maybe it's Nick Chubb who's had, what, three receptions in – two of the past three games uh, they've played. So I know it's gross, everybody, but I, I like Jacob Brissett at 5,600. I just think it's it's sexy, and I, I think that there's going to be points scored. I like it. Oh, I'll take it. Okay, let's go. And then I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Like, I think I think that there's going to be all sorts of guys that you can play this week, and some of them are going to be owned. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to build a Jacoby lineup, but I think I'm going to be talking about, like, similarly gross plays. Like, I, you know, so I, I just think – in a week like this, right? So tons of people, I think, are going to play, you know, the remaining high upside quarterbacks because most of them aren't on the slate, right? So a lot of people are going to play Allen and Hurts. Brady's underpriced. But, like, I don't know. Is there that big of a difference between Jacoby Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater? Like, not not a massive difference, right? So am I going to play the higher own option in Teddy Bridgewater versus Jacoby Brissett? No, probably not. So I don't know. I think I think that it's a fine play. Like, there's not so many high upside options that you have to fade this week that I think you have to rule out playing players like a Jacoby Brissett. I'm not sure that's the name I'll get to, but it's fine. Normally I would puke, but this week I'm not puking at you. Okay. I'll take that. Now I am going to make you puke on this next one because I want to play Njoku, right? Njoku has had this magical thing up against the Chargers. Laquan Jones actually uh, brought it up and and they mentioned it on, I believe it was NFL Network today, how uh, Njoku just destroys the Chargers every time they play. I normally don't care about that, but the Chargers aren't good up against the tight end. Meanwhile, Njoku's been on fire. So I wouldn't mind playing a little bit of Njoku, but this is the part that's going to make you puke. Keenan Allen's out, right? Gerald Everett has been playing the slot. So I want to run out a double tight end set for this week. <laughs> That's going to make me puke. <laughs> yeah, I figured that. I, I do like Gerald Everett in this matchup. I think it's an advantageous matchup. He's seeing the targets necessary. He's running the routes. Uh, you know, Keenan Allen out. I really wanted to play Keenan Allen this week, but I don't trust Austin Eckler up against the Browns to, to do, you know, to put up three touchdowns like we saw last week. I don't want to go chase those points. I'm already going to be playing Nick Chubb, so I don't want to play a second high-priced running back at this point, or else I'm going to have to go with a bunch of scrubs at wide receiver. So I, I like the stack of running out Jacoby Brissett with Njoku and Nick Chubb and then running it back with Gerald Everett. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll object to is a double tight end. Like, you just don't get a high <laughs> enough dot on. So I think that a lot of times these double tight end lineups project well. But I still think you're sacrificing some ceiling when we're talking about tight ends that aren't running the routes down the field, 
that wide receivers are, you know, they're not getting as many touches as running backs are that I'm just not sure that it's one thing if you're playing like Andrews and Kelsey, whatever else, I think that's fine. Those guys are basically just wide receivers in terms of usage, but I don't know. I'm not, I wouldn't be playing in Joku and Everett. I like each of Njoku and Everett. I'll play. I'm totally down with playing each of them, but not probably won't play them together. I'd probably rather play Everett and Cooper or Njoku and, and Mike Williams. Um, or or DeAndre Carter is interesting too because he ran a yeah, lot more routes than, than Josh Palmer last week. Um, and so Carter's, I think, not a bad play. He's almost guaranteed a touchdown at this point. I feel like like he <laughs> doesn't matter. He just give him a touchdown. Like he, you know, he should he should be guaranteed a touchdown. All right, Jacob, who do you have over there for, for your game? Which game are you targeting, fading? Which one do you really want to discuss? Yeah, man, I want to talk about my favorite puke stack um, of the week, right? You just mentioned Jacoby Brissett. He's a little pukey. And here's a guy that's a little pukey, more than a little pukey. Uh, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets against the Miami Dolphins. So Bridgewater looks like he's going to be catching some ownership this week. Um, and then Brees Hall looks like he's going to be catching some ownership this week. And so I kind of like this game because, I mean, Miami, there's some levels of uncertainty to are they going to keep playing at a high pace when it's Teddy Bridgewater and not Tua Tungavailoa, but they've been playing this high pass rate of expectation offense. I'm not sure that really changes for, you know, first of all, Teddy Bridgewater is, is probably as good of a backup quarterback as you can hope for. Like, you know, I don't think that there's a massive drop off necessarily going from Tua to Teddy. It's a drop off, but I, I don't think it's that huge. Um and then they just haven't really shown the ability to run the ball particularly well. Chase Edmonds has been really inefficient this year. Are you really going to give Raheem Mostert like 20 carries? He's like 31 years old, right? That just doesn't seem like it's going to be a plan of action. So I do think the Dolphins will remain somewhat aggressive. Maybe it's just a little bit more short area uh, type of stuff, but I, I still think they're going to be a fairly aggressive team. And, you know, the Jets, we've seen what the Jets do, right? If they get down, they're going to lose competitively they're they're not going to go down swinging and twice they've actually been able to get comebacks with that approach where they're passing the ball aggressively when they fall behind and you know it's worked for them against the Steelers to work for them against the Browns so that's certainly not going to change and I mean I'm looking at some of the projections I don't love to just have like projection takes where I think that the best in the industry are wrong but I, I guess I just think that there's like a, a higher upward tail to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore stuff than I think a lot of what's being baked in because these guys, Wilson's had a tremendous role all year from a targets per route run perspective. He finally got the 90% route participation last week. Elijah Moore has been running a million routes all year, hasn't translated into production, but I still think we have this underlying talent prior on him from previous years and we have a new quarterback. There's some uncertainty still, I think after just one week, whether or not his targets can rise with Zach Wilson and they're both really affordable and like, what if Zach Wilson's good? Like I just, all these quarterbacks that are bad that are going to get played this week. I think we have so much more certainty on their mediocrity than we do on Zach Wilson. Right. So if there's a chance that Zach Wilson is good, I just like, what if, I don't know, it's that hard to envision a scenario where Zach Wilson is actually a pretty darn good quarterback. And that come, you know, week eight, when the uh, week nine, week 10, the jets are in good spots and Elijah Moore sitting at six K and Garrett Wilson sitting at 6,500. Like that's not that impossible to imagine for me. So in a spot like this, where there aren't that many attractive plays, I kind of want to just get out in front of this jets thing. And I'm going to play a lot of Zach Wilson doubles. And then, you know, I can I'm probably using Waddle as my most uh, common bring back. Um, but I'm open to using Hill, especially if his ownership takes a hit from the, the Q tag, assuming he does, of course, play. And, you know, I think that there's worse things in the world than playing Raheem Mostert. So um, I'm I'm going to probably play really, really heavy Jet stuff. For the record, I do think Hall's a good play. Just um, yeah. I think I'm more intrigued from like an ownership game theory perspective to play the Jets passing game. And for the record, Hall's getting so much use in the passing game that I'll almost certainly mix in stacks where I go like Zach Wilson, Hall, and then yeah. one of the wide receivers instead of always just Zach Wilson and the two wide receivers. That's a strong stack, to be honest. And, you know, I do want to bring up a, a player that, that you didn't mention, but I brought up last week and, and said you should have played like in almost every single lineup. And that's Corey Davis, baby. Corey Davis, who has seen what? Oh, man. See, oh, yes, yes, Jacob. I'm talking about Corey Davis, baby. Yeah, you rose from the crypt last week. Well, he didn't just rise from the crypt, though, because he's seen, uh, what is it? Let's see. 
13.3 fantasy points in, or wait, uh, 13.7 fantasy points in week one. In week two, 16.3. Week three, he saw a down week. Week four, 18.4. But he's seen these targets that are downfield. You're talking about ADOT. This is the ADOT, baby. This is this is the big guy right here that we're, we're talking about. So I really do think that Corey Davis has a chance to perform at a high level. He is more expensive this week. He's been sitting around the 45 to 4,900 range. He went up above 5K. He's sitting at 5,100. So this might be the last week that you can actually play Corey Davis and feel good about it. Because after he goes past 55K, I don't want to touch him. You think his price is, you think his price is on the way up? Oh, it's on the way up, baby. You think we got to get it? Okay. I think, I think that's egregious. Um, they're basically <laughs> all the same. They're basically all the same price. Like Garrett Wilson's 52, Corey Davis 51, Elijah yeah. Moore is 5K. Um, like Garrett Wilson just seems clearly the best bet to me. He's been the best of the three in targets per run all year. And then last week he, he got to 90% routes. Corey Davis was clearly third in routes. So from a full season sample perspective, I think it's Garrett Wilson's clearly the best. I, I can't say based on the first four weeks that Elijah Moore is better than Corey Davis because Corey Davis has just been better than Elijah Moore the last four weeks. But I'm just invoking the age model here as, as Mr. Levitan would say. And I'm if, I, if I'm paying the same price, for Corey Davis or Elijah Moore, um, I just can't can't click Corey Davis. His routes did go down last week. I think it's possible they climb back up because, frankly, he was really good last week. Um, but Elijah Moore and, and Wilson have been the guys gaining the most routes. I still think they're the guys with the most upside in a ceiling scenario for this offense. I, I'm not sure I'll be playing Davis, but it's not the worst thing in the universe. And I just I can't. <laughs> Unfortunately, I made fun of your Corey Davis call last week, and then he hit. So I can't entirely make fun of it again, but. He won't be in my Jets lineup. Full disclosure, I don't love Corey Davis this week. I do think he has a little bit tougher matchup if he's playing on the outside, but we'll see what happens with, with how they match up over there on defense. Uh, Miami's been a little bit tough to tell as to how they're actually going to roll off their, their defensive backs. So I, I don't love Corey Davis this week. I just wanted to rub in your face that I called Corey Davis last week and he hit. <laughs> All right, I, I do want to talk about uh, another game that uh, you know we're going to get into, but I before I do, I want to mention a game that I want to avoid at all costs. I, I don't care what it takes. I don't. I, I won't have any players in any form, way, shape, or form in my lineup from this Vikings and Bears game. I'm not playing Justin Jefferson. I'm not playing any of these guys because we look at the the pace of play. We look at how the Bears operate, and it's just ugly. Like it's ugly football, right? And and Justin Fields runs a, an absolute ton. You, you actually brought this up, I think, on our Wednesday show or maybe it was our last Friday show. But, I mean, he's scrambling on 17% of the dropbacks, and he's only attempted 67% of his passes when he does drop back. Like, how bad is that, Jacob? Like, six, he drops back He dropped back 100 times this season. He's only attempted 67 balls on 100 dropbacks. I don't think I've seen that before. That's It's bad. It's not good. <laughs> It's not good. Oh my God. Ooh, like, are you kidding me? This is, that's ridiculous. But uh, on top of all this, right? Like, like, let's just go ahead and, and throw this out. Like, it, it's just not going to be a high scoring game. I, the Bears are actually decent up against wide receivers as a whole. And maybe they're decent. Maybe they're just actually, you know, they don't put them enough, enough points to, to consider it a competitive game. But I would avoid this game at all costs. I just wanted to go ahead and throw it out there just in case anybody had an idea to play Davin Cook or to, to sneak. I mean, Dave Montgomery, I think, is practicing right. So he should play this week, I believe. You're going to have a split back with Herbert. Like, just stay away. Yeah, so, sounds on the optimistic side of questionable. Yeah, just stay away from this game. But uh, the Buccaneers game, that's the one that I want to talk about because ownership is going to be through the roof. And it, it's weird because I, I like this game in terms of like, hey, if you play Tom Brady with, you know, his stacks and you get really chalky and then, you know, you end up running a David Sills like we just randomly brought up. I'm just coming up with a random player that's going to have no ownership whatsoever. So if you want to throw together like a lineup with a bunch of stacks and then you get completely random and you play a, a guy that has no chance, no chance to see any ownership, that's the only way that I'm playing this game. But I do think it's possible this week where we could actually find that guy. We can find that that diamond in the rough, essentially, diamond in the rough, essentially, so that, you know, it, it's it makes me a little bit nervous, but I think we can do it. Jacob, what's your take on this game? Well, yeah, so it's, it's, it is a good game. I mean, it's kind of it's funny, right? Last week, this reminds me a lot of the spot that I was big into last week, which which hit, and I would have made a bunch of money if it wasn't for the freaking Lions. Um, but <laughs> for those who were with us last week, I was talking up the Chargers spot versus the 
Texans because I was like, we have a pocket passer in a massive potential um, positive spot. You know, they might just run this team out of a lot, but maybe they're going to be able to get um, a lot of passing production first. And, you know, he has all, all the, he has a pass catching running back. He's got these nice wide receivers, et cetera. Right. And I think that there's a lot of parallels between that charger spot versus the Texans and this uh, Falcon spot or sorry, this buck spot versus the Falcons. You know, I tend to like these spots. Problem is, is the dearth of other options on the slate has put this box ownership through the roof. Like I think Brady yeah. probably comes in second or third highest among quarterbacks. I think Fournette's probably in the top three among running backs. Godwin's probably in the top three among wide receivers. So it, it makes it less attractive because you're kind of able to slide the Chargers stuff mostly under the radar last week. Um, I think that you can still play it. You have to get definitely unique elsewhere. The issue is I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure how to how to play the Bucks other than the guys that are going to be owned. Like it really seems like their passing game right now is flowing through the two guys because Gage and Julio are splitting routes. Um, Cam Brate now ruled out. So they're just going to be running this like weird committee at tight end. I don't really know. You can play any of those guys. Um, I think it's like Cade Otten. They had yep. this other dude. And then I guess Kyle Rudolph will be active this week, but um, it's the mess. So it really is Brady Fournette, Godwin Evans. Like, I don't know that there's another playable guy um, from a projection standpoint. And I think with Brady, like, we all know he's not going to run, right? So if Brady has a ceiling game, you kind of have to double stack him at least because it's very it's very rare that he's going to hit, like, a 35-point type of ceiling with only one guy getting there because it's not like he's mixing in rushing touchdowns. So... I think Evans is, is like the play that I, I would want to have in every Brady stack just because he seems like the one guy who's not going to be like 20% plus between them. But so maybe, maybe Brady Fournette Evans is probably, I guess how I would do it because I think that a lot of the Fournette lineups might not also be the Brady stacks. Right. So I think there might be like a lot of Fournette lineups and a lot of Brady Evans Goblin lineups. And so maybe if you play, Brady, Fournette, Evans, that's like slightly more unique, but you still have to get diversified elsewhere. The other problem is, is on the Falcons side, like, you know, normally you go with the unique bring back. Pitts is out now. And so the only Falcon anyone's going to play is London. And I don't even think that London projects all that particularly great. He's just going to get like a bunch of default ownership from people wanting a bring back in this game. So I think I'm probably just going to go with, I, I guess, no bring back in, in some of these lineups. And then uh, maybe if you want to get like really, really funky, I'll say this. Uh, Tyler Algier had pretty much the same role that Patterson had last week where he was playing. So they've been running this committee where basically Avery Williams plays in some obvious passing situations, almost like a poor man's Kyle Juszczyk. Um, and then you have sort of one back doing a lot of early down rushing and a lot of early down receiving. And the other one is just doing early down rushing. And Algier kind of stepped into the Patterson role where he was running most of the routes. He was playing a lot of the passing situations and early downs, and he was still getting a decent amount of carries. Huntley was only getting the carries. He's at 4,700. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty. Like it wouldn't surprise me if Algier plays like 20% of the snaps, but if he's actually going to get the Patterson role, I mean, if you could play Patterson at 4,700, you know, at like three, 4% own that that's awesome. So maybe Algier is the guy I would play instead of Drake London if you're looking for kind of a spicy way to get around it. But I think mostly I'm going to look to get different by playing other stacks, like the Jets, for instance. And like if I play Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, then I can play wherever the fuck I want from the Bucks. Like then I can just play Goblin in that lineup and it's no problem. Jacob, you completely stole my entire game. Like I was supposed to be talking about this game. Come on, Jacob. Jeez, you took everything from me. No, I, I love what you had to say. I, I honestly, like I understand wanting to play Evans to, to get away from ownership. But at this point, you're going to be chalk. Like it, I don't care yeah, if Evans is still going to be owned. Yeah, yeah, he's still going to be owned. So like I'll go ahead and play the chalk and I'll get weird and freaky somewhere else. Uh, but I'll, I'll take Chris Godwin in the slot. The Falcons have actually been really freaking good on the outside, especially amongst like these jump ball type receivers. AJ Trell's been an absolute monster. Uh, and Chris Godwin, like people are eating in the slot. Like that's that's the route that I want to take. I might as well just play him. Uh, Fournette's a little bit sketchy for me. So I know that you were talking about, you know, running out these double stacks. But I mean, I, maybe Brady spreads it around and we see – 60 yards from Evans on, you know, 10 targets and six receptions. And then we see, you know, one of these random tight ends like Kate Otten end up having, you know, a touchdown on the goal line off play action fake. And then Leonard Fournette has three receptions. Like I don't, 
actually want to double stack it. I understand doing it. Like it makes complete sense because you're talking about a pocket passer. Touchdowns are going to have to be going somewhere else other than just Chris Godwin if this is a high scoring game. But I personally don't want to get behind uh, anybody else outside of Chris Godwin. And I like Tyler Algier. He's been efficient. Uh, this this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team uh, on the defensive front, they are vicious. But at the same time, like you can actually get yardage against them. We've seen it a few times this season. But the bigger thing is Tyler Algier is going to get every single goal line touch, especially with Kyle Pitts now out. Like who else are they going to throw to? They're going to double team Drake London. They got nobody else to pass to. So it's either going to be Mariota running it in or it's going to go to Tyler Algier. It's going to be a Tyler Algier game. And, and I'm going to play him every once in a while. It's not like he's going to be in a bunch of my lineups, but I'll put him in probably 15%, maybe 20% of my lineups this week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun one because I mean, we so often see these kind of like replacement square running backs, just like everybody kind of assumes what their role is. Right. And they get all this like fragile ownership and Algier is kind of the opposite. Like he's really cheap, 4,700. And the risk is the floor, right? The risk is, okay, what if his role sucks? And it could suck, but like there's a there's a pretty easy world in which his role was what it was last week, which is he's going to play like 60, 65% of the snaps. He's going to handle the rushing downs roughly 50-50, maybe a little bit better. And he's going to run the vast majority of the routes. Like that's that's a role that's easily worth $4,700. So I think it's fun. Yeah, and, and in addition to that, if he has what, three receptions, like you're essentially right. going to be paid. If he gets 40 yards on the ground, right, he ends up seeing – three receptions for 30 yards like you're, you're essentially paid off yeah and then a touchdown on top of that yeah give me a touch give me a touchdown or 16 points we're good you're in the money if he gets a touchdown so i'll take tyler algier i'm gonna run it with brady godwin and i'm just gonna leave it at that and i think algier is somewhat of a contrarian play like what do you think his ownership is gonna be less than five percent not that high. i think it'll, i think it'll be about five percent yeah i don't think it's gonna be high yeah i was thinking five three to five percent is what i was assuming so i agree with you totally so yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to run out a few lineups with that just because I like the game, like the environment. And, oh, I didn't mention this. Brady's last four games up against Atlanta, 368 yards, four touchdowns, 276 yards, five touchdowns, 399 yards, four touchdowns, 390 yards, two touchdowns. Tell me you don't want to play that in DFS this week. I mean, that's like that's just sexy. Yeah, I mean, Brady, like Brady and Godwin in particular are – egregiously underpriced like egregiously um we just lost like eight listeners talking about tyler algier i'm just letting you know <laughs> well, well that's their loss man i, mean, I know. wouldn't want to talk about tyler algier no oh I mean, like God, to, to be it. honest like brady and godwin are probably collectively like twelve hundred dollars underpriced like it's 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 bad so that's those are the guys like it's pretty terrifying to fade um i'm gonna play godwin like he, he's just so clearly to me the best play on the slate that um i'm gonna have a lot of godwin if I, especially especially if I'm not playing popular sacks, like I'm just going to put Godwin in my lineup because I, I can. So he's a guy I'm going to play. And I'll, I'll play some Brady Godwin and just have to find out ways to get there elsewhere too because they are really, really – Over under 20%, what do you think? Godwin or yeah. Brady? Uh, I think I think Godwin comes in – depends on the field um, of like stuff that you're doing. Like I think in small fields, there's potential for Godwin to get like – chased up into like the 30 percent range yeah but i think in in like larger fields millimaker um i'll say like 20 20 percent 20 22 something like that yeah that's what i'm thinking too all right jacob what is your last game that, that you're going to be targeting not targeting uh you know which, which game do you want to talk about yeah man this this was another fun one in a sense um it is the washington commanders and the tennessee titans and this seems like one of those kind of high variance games to me because neither of these teams are particularly good. Um, but that extends to both sides of the ball, right? It's not like it's not like they're only bad offenses. These are also bad defenses. So, but, you know, when we get that kind of setup, it's a game that I think could go either way. What prevails, the bad offense or the bad defense? Who has the better day? And what's really fun about this is Washington has been, you know, a pretty pass-heavy team this year. Uh, Tennessee's passing defense certainly susceptible and you're potentially getting a really narrow target tree 
in Washington. Jahan Dotson is out this week. That means he's going to be replaced by Deami Brown. Deami Brown is going to run like 30 routes and have like one target. <laughs> like that's he's just going to be he's going to be doing cardio this week. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they roll out. Does Cam Sims still on the team? Is Steven Sims still on? How many Sims do they still have on the team? Maybe, maybe one of them gets in. Yeah, Cam Sims will, will likely probably see 50-50 snap share uh, with him and Deami Brown playing sure. that outside stretch role. Either way, probably not going to be a lot of targets going to, to those individuals. Uh, Logan Thomas got added to the injury report with Ooh. a calf injury today. I didn't see that. Um, so whenever you see a limited Friday with a calf injury – that makes me think, at least. He probably aggravated that at practice. If he strained his calf at practice on Friday, he's not playing Sunday. So I, I would put him on the doubtful side of questionable, but we'll see, of course. That means like it's possible that really the only two target earners playing in this spot would be Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. And if Logan Thomas plays, then, then still you'd, you'd be losing Dawson. So you get a consolidated target tree here um, against Tennessee. Tennessee also a consolidated target tree because they lose Traylon Burks. Um, that makes Robert Woods pretty much the only guy here that has like any history of earning targets. And Kyle Phillips. Oh, I was just about to say, do not slander Kyle Phillips' name. So he's a, he's an interesting one because he played pretty much exclusively as their slot wide receiver in week uh, in, in in week one. Then he ends up getting hurt. Uh, he doesn't play really at all last week. But you know they're down Burks. They're going to need guys. He's back now. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's someone to play. He's not going to have any ownership. Um, and you can always play the big dog, right? The big dog, I don't think it's going to have massive, massive ownership. So probably the way I play this game is probably through Henry on the Titans side. And then we, I just kind of build onto the assumption that Washington falls behind. We know they're going to pass a lot when they fall behind. And so I'd probably be playing like Wentz, big dog, and maybe McLaurin and Samuel, or if Thomas plays one of those and Thomas. But I think this is a fun one. Uh, to play because you get consolidated target trees, you get bad defenses, and you know I don't think anyone's gonna play McLaurin. He's just been so horrifically bad. Um, you know maybe some people will play some of the other pieces, but I think this was a, is another fun spot. McLaurin will be up there with Chris Godwin for me in terms of like ownership. Like I'm gonna have just as many roster lineups with McLaurin in it that I will have with with Godwin. I just think that there's too much to be had there. Uh, and meanwhile on the other side, like I don't really want to play Robert Woods. I don't want to play any any Tennessee Titans outside of maybe a couple lineups with Derrick Henry just to play with it. Like just, just to, just to give it a little touch, you know, like just a little tip, you know, just, just stick the, all right. So anyways, um, are you about ready to build a lineup, Jacob, or is there another game that you might want to talk about? Because honestly, like, I feel like we should at least address the Philadelphia and, and Arizona Cardinals game. Like yeah. the battle of the birds, like should at least be mentioned because we could see two high scoring offenses. Maybe. Yeah. We got a little time. Yeah, that's the highest over-under game on the main slate, correct? I'm not, I'm not making that up. I don't want a lot of people on air, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Uh, let's see, let's see. I want to say it's 49, right? I don't think so. I think the highest scoring one, yeah, it is. Um, I think it's 47.5 is the highest one I'm seeing. Okay, and is that is that there? Oh, no, no, it is 49. I, I yeah, lied. Okay. You're right, 49. All right. So uh, thanks for calling my my pregame research into question, I dare you. But yes, Arizona <laughs> Philly, highest over under on the slate, over under 49. And I think Hertz is gonna have ownership. Um, and I think that his wide receiver is always like I said this a couple weeks ago. I think his wide receivers always get underprojected on ownership because I think that a lot of the ownership projections we see in the industry get based around projections. And Hertz tends to project better than his weapons does. But I just think what you're going to see is people that are going to play Hurts like are going to be more inclined to play his weapons. So I do think that usually you should add a couple percentage points to what you see out of AJ Brown and, and Smith, especially Brown. But that being said, I, I do think in this spot that uh, that for it being the highest over under game on the slate, I don't think that it's going to be played enough because people are so attracted to this Tampa Bay spot. So I'll play some Hurts lineups with with Brown. I'll play some Hurts lineups with Smith, and I'll play Kyler lineups like. Kyler Murray has like looked bad and in like efficiency metrics and stuff, he's looked bad, but he's putting up fantasy points um, despite egregious inefficiency. So I think you continue to trust Kyler Murray as a high upside option. And there really aren't a whole lot of these, you know, Konami code type 35 plus point ceiling type quarterbacks out there. It's Allen, it's hurts, you know, and then it's kind of Kyler, uh, 
we don't have Lamar on the slate. We don't have Mahomes on the slate. So Kyler Murray is certainly a guy that, that is in my player pool. Uh, and, you know, you can stack him probably with Marquise or with Ertz or with both. And then James Conner is the guy, too, where it hasn't happened yet on the on the box score, that's for sure. But his role is still good. Like, his role for $6,300 is, is not necessarily overpriced. I wouldn't say it's underpriced. But I think you can play the Cardinals. And whether or not it's pretty, I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think that they're a little bit undervalued given the game context they're in and, and the ceiling that we know Kyler Murray does have. Yeah, I mean, I know Kyler Murray is like stressful to play, but essentially you look at him, you look at her, it's right around the same price. And I mean, his ownership, I don't think is going to be anything. Like, I feel like it's going to be almost non-existent for the most part. We're talking about a shootout type game, one bad defense, likely that Arizona is going to go down early. I mean, I like that play, man. I, I like it a lot uh, going with Kyler Murray over Jalen Hurts in some lineups, uh, including, you know, lineups with that stack. Is, is Rondell more healthy? Yeah, yeah, Rondell's healthy. Yeah, he'll be out there. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be what his his second game this season or his first game this season. Either way, I think second that Rondell. Yeah, he played he played a ton of routes last week. He he played almost every route last week. He was lined up on the outside a lot, which was weird. Um, when they moved Dorch into the slot, R- I think Rondell actually might be kind of owned, but um, that's he's definitely a nice affordable piece. Well, we talked about this like in previous weeks where. Bradbury struggles up against these quick twitch, fast wide receivers. Like he struggles. So if Rondo Moore does play the outside, he does get some of these deeper routes. I mean, we could easily see him burn Bradbury on quite a few places. We we what talked about it last week, maybe the week before that. And you know, look what happened. Like he, I think it was John Dotson ended up beating him across the middle. I do strongly believe that if Rondo Moore is in and he's running the routes that he is actually going to get targeted this week up against Bradbury. Teams know it. They take advantage of it all the time. All right. Let's go ahead and let's pull up your your DraftKings board because we're going to build a lineup. And I need to see from the chat real quick, out of the players we've mentioned, right, out of the, the stacks we've talked about, we need to see which ones you want to see us build a lineup from. So let us know in the chat which player that we've talked about or which stack that we've talked about that you guys actually want to see built. If not, I kind of want to build a Kyler one. What are you thinking? I'm good with the Kyler one. Yeah, I'm good with whatever. But cer- certainly, I'm, I'm down to do a Kyler Murray, uh, Kyler Murray lineup. All right, screw the chat. Let's go ahead and build a lineup. <laughs> We're not doing that, Jamie. How else would know? <laughs> not, on, not on a show that I'm a co-host of. Not so long as I live and breathe. Jamie brought up in the chat for set and DPJ lineup, which of course he knows that I would love to play, but all yeah. right. So let's, let's see if we can mutually agree somehow here on the, on, on this Cardinal stack that we're going to play. So who we want to play Kyler with, but it's probably, it's, it's either Hollywood, Rondale or Ertz or, or mix the two. They, if they throw enough to the running backs, we could, we could put Connor into consideration as well. And then, um, you know, probably want to play at least one Eagle here. So what, what are your thoughts uh, in terms of like the guy that you most want in this lineup with Kyler? So uh, Devonta Smith or AJ Brown, either one's a toss up for me. I'd much rather go AJ Brown, but I feel like if we end up getting into a price pinch that we should take out AJ Brown and then put in Devonta Smith, we should start with AJ Brown first. And if we want to pivot later, let's let's pivot later because honestly the Cardinals are just so bad in that secondary that even if they focus on, on AJ Brown, he's still going to get targets. So I think we should start with AJ Brown. I think we should roll out Ronda more, just to give us a little bit of a price discount as well. If you want to roll out Zach Ertz or James Conner, I'm cool with it, but I think there are a lot better options at running back uh, this week. So I'm, I'm not completely on board with James. Let's Conner. do Rondale. Let's let's do Rondale and let's and and uh, let's do Rondale and Ertz. I mean, Ertz, like as much as I hate Ertz, he is getting targets. Historically, the Philly defense has been most um, yep uh, most taken advantage of in the short middle areas of the field. Uh, that's where Zach Ertz exclusively resides because he literally can't get to any other area of the field because his <laughs> ass is so slow. <laughs> but I'm okay with this one. Now, uh, I'm just going to put in a placeholder defense like we usually do, just someone cheap, um, just so that we can kind of have a feeling for for what our pricing is. We got $23,700 to work with. We got four slots. As always, we each get to pick two players here. Chase, who are you going to put in this lineup? Oh, man. I so with this stack, I think I'm going to go back to like what we've already talked about. We've already addressed it. And there's two players that I'm going to be playing in a ton of my lineups. Give me Chris Godwin to, to start us out. All right. I think that that one right there, I think is A-OK. And then I don't even know why I'm wasting one of my picks on this because you'd probably do it anyways. But uh, look, 
whenever there's a player like Alwyn, I think it's going to have a lot of high ownership, but I still want to play him regardless. I want to try and think of unique ways to pair him. In this case, I'm going to try and pair him with, with my guy here, Tyler Algier. Uh, yep. So we'll put Algier in the lineup. This also pretty much ensures we can keep A.J. Brown in this lineup because we, we still have $6,500 for, for our last two spots, one running back, one flex. Pick whoever you want, and then uh, I'll build off that for the last spot here. And then we can always we can always finagle the defense too, of course. What's going to end up happening is I'm going to take this player, and then you're going to be like, you left me with no money again. But I got a good Nick Chubb because we talked about it. We both believe that he's going to end up, you know, just smashing the lineup this week. I think Nick Chubb is going to be uh, absolute play, and we're still left with 5100. So you're not completely broke here. You you have your choice of all your Jets guys that you like to so go ahead <laughs> and pick Corey Davis because I, I know that's who you really want. Yeah, shockingly, you you left me exactly fifty one hundred dollars. Um, incredible how how you were able to work that out, uh, which is exactly Corey Davis's price. Uh, <laughs> that seems that seems somewhat suspicious, but um, no. Anyway, I'm just gonna check here. What is Carter's price? He's all the way down to thirty nine hundred. Uh, unfortunately, we have we have enough money that we don't need to play DeAndre Carter, but. I am kind of interested in him as, as a bring back in uh, in Nick Chubb lineups for the record. Um, that being said, in this case, you have a little extra money to spend beyond that. Um, so I'm trying to look at, at some flex options here at my disposal. And I don't want to play Josh Palmer this week. I, I don't even think he's like an obviously better play. Um, no. Uh, sorry. Then, then the other guy that I just mentioned, DeAndre Carter. That's what I was trying to come up with the name of. And so, all right. I'm going to do is I'm going to see, is there any defense that I can play at $2,400? Doesn't you want to stab my eyeballs out? Doesn't, doesn't appear to be one. Oh man. I love the Cowboys this week. I thought you picked the perfect one. I like the Cowboys defense too. The Bears is good too. If you want to pivot down to the Bears, I don't mind that. No, I don't really love that one. Um, what, what I'm just going to stick with the Cowboys. We'll leave $100 left on the table here. And look, last time I said, that it would be the last time I'd play DJ more. And honestly, it should have happened. He got like 11 targets. He had an okay game, but nowhere near good enough in DFS. This time is going to be my last time for Elijah Moore. Um, we're going to play two of the Moors in this lineup. You can do a lot with these with these Cardinals lineups. You can either play multiple Browns. You can play multiple Moors. You can play two Moors and two Browns. You can do anything you want here. But I'm going <laughs> to put Elijah Moore into this one here. I'm going to go ahead and hit enter, enter with my crowns. Enter your crowns. Yeah, my crowns. And uh, there we go. It's Kyler Murray. It's it's Rondell Moore. It's Zach Ertz. It's A.J. Brown. Nick Chubb, Tyler Algier, Chris Godwin, Elijah Moore, and the Cowboys defense. Um, I think that's I think that's all we got for today here. But, um, yeah, why, why, don't you, why don't you let us know about one, of course, our, our great sponsors, Trends of the Program. Oh, oh, you want me to do this one? Because, I mean, I feel like we have an advantage this week. Like over oh, anybody true. else. I, I, I just feel like we have the insight. We have the advantage. And that's pretty much because we go to no house advantage and, and we actually work with them because they are changing the game, right? They're changing the game, Jacob. They offer the most <laughs> dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus the other people for a shot at winning 250K plus cash. Download the app. Choose a contest, select your player props, and earn points for correct picks while you climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house. And 20x, that's 20 times, Jacob. That's not just like. That's that's a lot. That's so many X's. 20x, that's 20, that's 20 times. You got to do it. It's versus the house. 20x your entry if you hit all picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual ones. Go check out No House Advantage today. Download the app. And when you do, when you do, go ahead and use promo code PODFATHER at nohouseadvantage.com. Download the app, like I said, in the app store. Get the first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss that. Boom! How did I do? That was awesome. That was awesome. Was that intense? Uh, we still got some listeners in here, so I don't think it was too bad. No, that was great. People stay for the ad read. Yeah, you, you're still listening, right? It's certainly not for our DFS takes. <laughs> I'm talking to you, the listener right now. Yes, I'm talking to you. You're still listening, and I'm glad that you stuck with us. Hope I didn't scare you away. Go check out nohousemanage.com. All right, let's do this. Let's because Just because we have a little extra time, while we're before we sign off, give me your one biggest flag plant this week 
of a guy who's not particularly popular. I mean, I I feel like Terry McLaurin, I mean, does that qualify? That qualifies. Oh, for sure that qualifies. Yeah, because, I mean, Chris Godwin, I would have said him, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Terry McLaurin. I actually really wanted to try and fit Terry McLaurin into this lineup, but we maxed out, you know, that area, and I wanted to play Nick Chubb over Terry McLaurin. But uh, I, I'm going to be playing Terry McLaurin in a lot of lineups this week. I loved your Terry McLaurin call, and that's awesome because – uh, that was one of the guys I was most excited about coming into this game. He's probably the primary reason that I picked that game as one of my games. So I'm right alongside with you on Terry McLaurin. And my guy, although Tyler Algier is a close second, but my, my guy is Zach Mafaka Wilson. Uh, I will be rolling out all different arrangements of Zach Wilson lineups. But personally, call me crazy. I like what I saw last week. And the Miami defense has been more susceptible than the Pittsburgh defense uh, through the air this year. I think that Zach Wilson has a legitimate upside. It was his first game back off an injury last week. He led a big comeback in the second half. He's a young quarterback. He's pretty mobile. He was the second overall pick. And it feels like nobody cares. I've never seen a quarterback where people are so sure. Like, he's not some random dude. He was the second overall pick, and people are very, very certain that he's bad. He might be. But what if he's good? And if he is good, I want to make sure I get ahead of it. And I think that's the week to get ahead of it. I'm all in on you this week. Zach Wilson, let's go. Let's go. Listen, if you all want to check out all of our content, of course, Player Profiler is the place to be. Go check us out over there on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. We will be back next Friday. But, Jacob, in the meantime, where can we find your content? Well, you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore RTDB. You can find my content right here on playerprofiler.com on the Roto Underworld program. You can find my week five uh article my week five edition of the hitchhiker's guide to running back up at playerprofiler.com it's also pinned at the top of my twitter page you can find me on various podcasts and such throughout the week find me on the full tilt honesty podcast you can find me on the uh on fantasy intervention of course with you with shane you can find me with sweating bullets uh with drew and then of course you can always find me here i love it man you guys can go check out my content over there at ff underscore intervention on twitter thank you guys for tuning in and thank you all Oh, I almost did our, our other closeout. Thank you guys for coming in. We'll see you next week.